God is in the details. He knows our story. And each one of us has a different story to tell. The same story of salvation, but it saved in a different, under certain, different circumstances. He's working in our lives in the ways that we're going through and things that we're doing. He loves us individually and personally, and I'm thankful for that. Let's just say a word of prayer before we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love for us and saving us and being with us every day of our lives through ups and downs, through trials and difficulties and sorrows and through the joys and victories of life. We thank you that you never leave us, Lord. You never forsake us. We're not orphans. We're your children and you take care of us. And we just pray now that you'll lead me by the Holy Spirit. May your words be coming through, Lord, and may you hide me behind the cross. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My message today will dovetail very well with what Randy was sharing uh, last week. And so I was thinking about expectations. Every day we live with certain expectations. Some of them are fulfilled and some of them remain unfulfilled. And much of our economy, in fact, is based on expectations. The stock market is based on the jobs report. It's based on how a company is earning money and making profit. They have certain forecasts. And if the company doesn't measure up to expectations of Wall Street, the stock will go down and affect the whole, whole economy. Every day we have expectations. I get in my car, I expect when I push that start button that the car will start and get me to where I'm going. And we all have expectations, little expectations, bigger expectations. And sometimes, as we said, they come true. Other times, if our expectations are not fulfilled, we can get frustrated. We can get disappointed. We can get anxious. We can get impatient, even angry. But one thing that will never happen is that God will never fail. And we can have our expectations in him, and we can have the greatest and highest expectations because he'll always be there for us, always, and he'll always come through. Someone once said, God's abundance far exceeds our expectations. And he's the only one that can do it. Companies can't do it. Countries can't do it. Armies can't do it. They can't fulfill sometimes our expectations. But the title of our message today is Expectations of the Righteous. Anyone who comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're called in Scripture the righteous. That's one of the titles that we have. And it's such a blessing. And the definition of, his, of an expectation is a belief that something will happen or is likely to happen. That's an expectation. And I love Psalm 62 and verse 5. It says this, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. That's Psalm 62, 5, and we're reading the New King James Version. We must always remember that God will fulfill our expectations as long as we have faith and as long as we seek his will. 
Sometimes our expectations is for what we want to do, what we want to happen, what we want to see go on. But God has a different plan. So many times he changes the plan. He tweaks it. And he does just exactly what we need at just the right time. 1 John 5 and verse 14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Sometimes I think we, we gather together to pray, individually, as a family, or as a church. The question is, is not that, is God going to hear me or God going to answer me, but do we really believe he will? Do we really believe when we make that prayer to him that he is going to answer it in such a way as to bless our lives and encourage us? I thought about the story in Acts chapter 12, of of the early Christians that suffered persecution at the hands of the Jews and the Romans. Herod put to death James, who was the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that that pleased the Jews, he went off and he arrested Peter and put him into prison. And here's this fisherman turned apostle, turned preacher in prison. And it's almost humorous. Because what kind of threat is he to anybody? He's not. In fact, he's helping people with the gospel. But anyway, they put him in prison, and he was chained between two guards, Roman guards. And to make matters worse, there were guards outside the prison cell guarding him also. It took at least four strong Roman guards to guard Peter. But it didn't work. It didn't work because God had another plan for Peter, not to put him to death, but to raise him up and to get him out of that prison. And that's exactly what he did. It says in Acts 12 and verse 7, Now behold, an angel stood by the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hand. This would be a great movie to see this man in in prison with these Roman guards guarding him, and all of a sudden, they're just put to sleep. They were put to sleep. And then the angel brought him out of that prison. And all this time, the Christians were praying. They had a prayer meeting at Mary's house, and she was the mother of John Mark, and there were Christians meeting to pray. And guess what? They were probably praying for Peter. But did they really believe that God would do such a miracle in this situation? I don't think so, because of the reaction that they had. They were all praying there, and all of a sudden, the door knocked. there was a knock at the door. It was Peter. And there was a servant girl by the name of Rhoda that answered the door, answered the, 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 it was out in front of the gate there of the home. And she recognized it. And before even opening the door, she ran and told, guess what? Peter is here. No, no, it can't be Peter. It can't be Peter. They thought she was out of her mind. 
They thought she was crazy. How could Peter be there when he was in prison? Well, weren't you praying for him? Didn't you really believe that in your prayers that God could do a miracle and raise him up? Sometimes we don't. Sometimes it shocks us when God answers and does something major in our life. It shouldn't shock us. It shouldn't surprise us because we know how good he is, how great he is, his resources, his power. And it should encourage our life. But she insisted that it was Peter. And they said, well, it's his angel. It's his angel. But verse 16 of that chapter says, Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. God had done a miracle for Peter. He had done a miracle for them. He had answered their prayers. And the answer to prayer walked right through the door. That, was, that had to be exciting for the Christian. It had to give him faith. It had to encourage him. And whenever we hear of answers to prayer in someone's life, we should be encouraged. And we should be thrilled for them. We shouldn't say, well, why did that happen to them and not to me? No, forget that. I'll be happy when somebody gets a job. I'll be happy when they buy a house. I'll be happy when they get a new car. We should be happy and rejoice with each other. And we should pray. And when something is going terribly wrong and we need God's help, he'll come through. He'll answer. So that's our first point today. Expect God to answer our prayers. It's a simple thing. Expect God to answer our prayers. Secondly, expect God to answer, to act, I should say, on our behalf. The fact of the matter is that God works behind the scenes. He works situations that we don't even know are happening. In the book of Esther, the name of God is not even mentioned one time. But we see he's working in the lives of the Jewish people. Through Esther, through Mordecai, and through his mighty power to save them and to bless them. And to turn evil on its head. And take Haman, who wanted to kill Mordecai on the gallows, and he was killed on the gallows, his own gallows. God can work when everything else fails. When nothing else works for us, he can come through for us in a major and special way. This happened to me this week. I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I need to call San Francisco and find out when my next procedure is going to be for my tricuspid valve. I had the mitral valve fixed. I healed very quickly. I was very happy with it. I'm doing well, but I thought, I'm curious. I thought... I wonder when my next procedure is going to be. I know it's going to be tough because this time I'm going to have to be in the hospital for five days. Two days before the procedure and three days after. The last time I was only in a total of two and I wanted to go home right away after the first day. (laughs) And I couldn't imagine being in the hospital for five days, but I was prepared to do it. So I sent this note to Dr. Rassi. He's my... He's my uh, surgeon over in San Francisco who did the procedure. I said, doctor, I'm wondering when is my next procedure going to be on the tricuspid valve? Because the tricuspid valve, they say, is severely leaking. I mean, there was a, a lot of regurgitation, they call it. So I sent him this note. And I got back a note from the doctor, an email from the doctor that I wasn't expecting, that shouldn't have surprised me, Knowing how good the Lord is. 
And this is what happened. He said, Dean, we have been reviewing your most recent echocardiogram. Myself and Dr. Perrick. She's my doctor down in Santa Clara. And upon reviewing your echocardiogram, we have found that not only is your mitral valve greatly reduced in its leakage, but even your tricuspid valve is now reduced. And at this time, thank you, Lord, you will not have to have this procedure and we'll keep a close eye on you, but for now you don't have to have it. And I was rejoicing. You can ask Adel and Sylvia. I called them on the phone. And I shared with them this miracle that God had done for me. And I was rejoicing, and I'm still rejoicing. And I'm so thankful that God acts on our behalf. Even things that we don't know about. Like, I never even thought that that would be a possibility. I thought I was going to have to have it. And I was prepared to do it, probably in January. And the Lord says, nope, not going to happen. Not going to happen. What a blessing. A man named A.B. Simpson, who's familiar to many, said this, Our God has boundless resources. The only limit is in us. Our asking, our thinking, and our praying is too small. Our expectations are too limited. That is so, so true. Reminds me of the story of the Syrians. The Syrians and their king were very upset with the the situation because every time they had a battle plan to go against the nation of Israel, every time, Elisha, the prophet, would tell them when they were going to attack so that the king of Israel and his armies would be ready for it. And so the Syrians had to, to scratch it every single time. The king got so frustrated. He's sitting around the boardroom with all his chiefs of staff and saying, okay, who in this room is disloyal to me? Who is the, in this room is telling our plans to the enemy and tipping them off? And then one of the, one of the people said, none, O oh master, O oh sire, are doing that. None of them are. It's Elisha the prophet in Israel. God is, 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 through him, is revealing this. So he said, that's it. We're going after Elisha. So he got all his troops together and all the men and all the resources and he said, we're going after this prophet and get him. We're going to get him once and for all. So he came with all his forces. But what he forgot about is that God is more powerful than anything else. And Elisha prays, Lord, strike them with blindness. Strike them with blindness. I love this story. So they're all coming and they're all blind. We can't see. We can't see. Where are we going? Where are we going? Elisha says, the one you're looking for is not here. Follow follow me. And so he led them along. And guess where he led them to? Right into the city of Samaria, right into the very place where all the Israelites were. And the king Ahab at the time, he says, shall we kill them? And Elisha says, no. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to feed them. And he fed them the greatest, most fabulous meal and then sent them on the way. And it said that no more did any more of those Syrian raiders ever come back to the land of Israel again. They learned a big lesson. And that just goes to show that God can do anything for anyone 
at any time in such a major way. I look at Tracy. Tracy is sitting here today with us. The joy of the Lord is shining in her face. Look at that beautiful smile. And she has probably gone through more difficulties and trials and pain than any of us, maybe all of us, put together. But she loves the Lord. And she's seen God work in her life. And what a blessing it is. Romans 5, 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. With the Lord, we can expect the unexpected. And we can expect it to always be good. He has our interests at heart. Our expectations in Christ are based on faith, trust, hope, confidence, and expectation. We should expect God to do things for us. And I came up with a list, and you can probably come up with your own and more of them add more of them onto the list, but I came up with seven things that we can count on we can expect God to do. We can expect God to hear and answer our prayers. We can expect God to heal us. We can expect God to forgive us. We can expect God to fulfill all his promises. We can expect God to help us. We can expect God to provide for us. We can expect God to never leave us nor forsake us. I think it's a pretty good list, but you can come up with many other things throughout Scripture. We see it happening. So we see we should expect God to answer. And secondly, we should expect God to act on our behalf. We are his children. We are his people. And third, we can expect God to fulfill his promises. He keeps his promises, and he always will. Yesterday, I, I got a, a note from Gilbert. Well, I, I mean, I, first of all, I read Gilbert's postings. He and, and, and Jean, they post every day on, on the uh, different verses and quotes and everything, and some of you read it, and every, it's great. So I looked at the one they posted, and it was such a beautiful quote, and it says, God breaks chains, but not promises. He breaks the chains of sin and darkness and death, but he never breaks a single promise because he's so good. I love the verse that says in Colossians, not Colossians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, For all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God. Yes, God is able to meet and exceed our expectation. Meet and exceed them. And that's so beautiful. The hymn writer says, Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never fails. A great verse on this is also found in Ephesians 3 and 20. And it's so beautiful because it shows what God can do. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Isn't that amazing? 
he not only will answer it, but he'll exceed it. He'll give us exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And he, he loves to do that. He loves to surprise us. He loves to, to come through right at the 11th hour when it's the darkest. And so he is so good to us. And there are hundreds, I think even thousands of promises in the Bible. And there's one for your situation today. Whatever you're going through, there's a promise of God that will answer that situation. Every question that we have, he has an answer. Every problem that we have, he has a solution. And that's what's encouraging to me. And one of the greatest promises, and I think the greatest promise, that we have to look forward to is the coming of the Lord. The first thing that Sylvia said when this whole thing broke out in Israel, I said, the Lord is coming very soon. He's coming very soon. And I believe it to be the truth to be the case, everything is lining up according to God's word. His prophecies that were made hundreds and thousands of years ago are coming true. They're showing in our day and age, and it just means he's coming soon. It's amazing to see it. And there's a possibility of a world war, of a world war three. But it's not going to happen to us as Christians. We're going to be gone by that time. We're going to be taken away in the rapture before all that happens. We're going to smell it, but we're not going to feel it because we'll be gone. Paul, uh, John, in John 14, 2 to 3, the Lord Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where is heaven? Is it high in the sky? Is it on a certain planet? Is it a certain solar system, galaxy, or far, far away? No, we don't know, right? But we do know one thing. Where Jesus is, tis heaven there. And that's all I care about is that Jesus is there. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians the most encouraging words when he says, for the Lord himself will descend with a shout. And with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. They are comforting words. They are encouraging words to know that the Lord is coming. And so should we die, we're going to be with Christ. Immediately, instantaneously. And if we are still alive when the rapture happens, instantaneously, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, he's going to take us up. That is going to be the greatest thing. I mean, we have technology in the world, much technology, many good things, jet propulsions and people that can, can fly and go to the moon and do all those things. None of that will compare to our going up. He'll say, come up, my people, and he'll take us up. And that is so encouraging. So let's remember today to expect God to answer. 
every prayer that we bring according to his will. And let's expect God to intervene, to come to our rescue, to deliver us, to help us in times of need. And finally, let's remember, he keeps his promises. He fulfills them. And that great promise of the rapture, it's called our blessed hope, is coming. And just before we close, I want to read a little poem. I wrote this poem and I entitled it, The Greatest Expectations. And may it be a blessing. The greater the challenge, the greater the need. The more I will trust him to answer indeed. He hears all my pleas made on bended knee. His answers are coming to set me free. Behind the scenes, the master plans, guiding and directing with his strong, loving hand. He never fails to bring me through with promises sure they are always new. My Savior is coming to take me home, to be with him above, where never again I will roam. May God bless us and encourage us today. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we pray if there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus, that they will come to the cross, that they will bring their sins and be forgiven and have new life and hope within. Lord, we just pray for that. We pray for the Spirit to touch lives today. And we pray, Lord, for us as Christians that we will serve you all the way to the end, that we will count on you and live by faith in this world. Lord, we expect you to answer. We expect you to act. We expect you to fulfill your promises. Help us to not waver, not doubt, not fear, but trust in you. And we just thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.